God. Where should I see the live? I can't do it. <laughs> we'll do it live. Okay. <laughs> we'll do it live. Fuck it. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. I wish I knew how to fade that so it didn't just stop. Oh well, that's how it goes. That happens. Uh, so we're live, right? Yeah, we're live. Hey. What do we got going on here? We are live. We can never do an audio version because no one knows what's going on. That's fine. They'll get over it. They'll learn it's the charm of the show. So I'm finishing my coffee before I get to my beer. And um, these guys can't see me because my camera's messed up. So. we got to put up with your ugly thumbnail for the next hour or so. <laughs> well, it's kind of weird now because now you don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, I don't like this. It's kind of creepy. That is very strange. <laughs> <laughs> Nick's out there, uh, he's got himself a little bonfire going. Look at how romantic yeah. this is. This is. That's Which is the, extra creepy. That's the noise. Oh, I can see you. I'm on YouTube. Never mind. All right, you so can, where do I find the live link on YouTube real quick? You posted the link, didn't you? I sent it to you. Yeah, but I'm on my computer, so I'm on your YouTube channel. It should say Go live soon. stream or something. Doesn't say nothing about no last drink here. <laughs> that says he spent years here perfecting his uh, American yeah, I accent. Love that. Down there, in Georgia. So okay, so we'll give people some background. Joe is originally from England, but um, nobody here could remember that. So actually, so the story goes back the year before. Chris Birch came over from England. And nobody could remember where he was from, so we started calling him Frenchie. <laughs> so then I literally get a uh, Facebook message. Maybe in MySpace. Was it MySpace? No, no, no. It was, it was MySpace. It was, was pre-Facebook, I think. Okay, so I get a MySpace message from this other kid like, Hey, uh, I know I'm from England. I know Chris Birch. He said that if I wanted to go over to the U.S., you know, you were a good guy to talk to or whatever. So... I was like, yeah, come on over. So literally the first, we messaged back and forth like, what, 10 times? And then yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I see him, this guy's flown all the way across the world to come over and just hang out for like two months. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> I, ju I just watched this whole story on YouTube because I, I didn't have a clue. I thought you were just some Australian guy who trained riders. And then I yeah. watched your... That's pretty much it now, but there was a quite a <laughs> Clint. Yeah. Well, I didn't have a clue what was going on, but now I watch that. That was, was an interesting story. Nick literally is just like, um, he's the prima donna of the show. He just hangs out and waits for, <laughs> and drinks beer all week and waits for showtime. And I got to line these guests up and figure out this shit on the computer. And Nick's just like... <laughs> Hey, are we on? <laughs> yeah, man. It's the talent. You got to do all the background. That's work, right. You know, but that's why your face doesn't show because he's the talent and, you know, 
We were like, I was like, last week, I'm like, I'm not going to make it home. I, I had to go down to Texas, get some stuff, uh, furniture and stuff like that. And uh, I'm like, dude, I'm not going to make it home. And he just writes, good. I didn't feel like doing it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I did. It was a long weekend. <laughs> That's all I got back. Thanks for the motivation. <laughs> I think Clint brought me on just so I could run all the fucking technical stuff because yeah. I tricked him into thinking. I was good at computers. <laughs> right. I haven't had time. I never even asked you to do any of that. I thought you, you hinted, were going to be You young. hinted at it. No, I thought you... I just said that while we do the show, you need to research stuff, like how old everybody is. Did you look up how old <laughs> Joe is? <laughs> we, <laughs> sure I did. We Google how old everyone is that we talk about. <laughs> well, I'm always like... We like to make ourselves depressed that, that we're way older than all of them. <laughs> yeah, how old are you now, Glenn? Are you like 40 yet? 37. Dang. Yeah. How old are you, Joe? I'm 29. I'm nearly 30 in a few months here. Shit. So, to put it in perspective, I think I was 19 when I flew over to meet Glenn. Oh, man. I wasn't giving you drinks underage, was I? <laughs> <laughs> no, let's say no. <laughs> I, I think one of your first comments to me when I got in the in the van was like, so, um, <laughs> you like, do you do this or do you do that? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I don't know what to do with this right now in some stranger's van in Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> I, I learned you guys uh, to awesome break way people to get in. Up in America. I learned yeah. you got to break people in right off the bat, otherwise. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, you needed to know what you were dealing with if I was like a boring kid or a weird kid or looking back on it now, I would have been like a kid. I was young. Yeah, when, what year was that? 2007. Uh, I was 27. Yeah, that's right. Damn, that was 10 years ago. No, I know, it was 10 years since I come out, man. Like nearly 10 years. It was the end, like the middle end of 07 is when I first came out. This just got depressing for me. <laughs> Why? How old are you? I just went through my whole career real quick and you guys' story. I'm, uh, what am I, 33. Yeah. And then what do you mean? I'm catching, How I'm catching up? up to Clint. You're never going to catch up. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm never going to die, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed you haven't after the last couple of years you've had. Uh, yeah, they sucked. Yeah, it's... like that FEMA was horrible. Well, so the <clears throat> yeah, the whole deal sucked. It wasn't necessarily just the femur. <laughs> it was a culmination of everything. Nick was there for that one. Nick's the first thing I saw when I actually came to <laughs> and remember anything. So Nick's clearly a good luck charm. Like yeah, the show. yeah, very, very good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. So, you're going to blow it for me. When I actually like clipped back in, he was standing next to my bed in the hotel, in the hospital. And, <laughs> and I was just like, he was just like right there next to me. I'm like, hey, oh, what the fuck <laughs> just is that? Breathing. Just breathing I'm, heavy on Clint. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure literally I just go. Look at him and go, ah, what the fuck did I do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that crash looked pretty, pretty hard. I don't remember. 
I don't know. I'm not, I'm not surprised <laughs> pretty much body slammed the landing. Uh, there's claims that the front of the landing is actually bent down. Yeah, I believe that you're, you're a big boy. I don't know that That's, that could have been just from me. I mean, I feel like people have cased the safety probably before with their motorcycle. Oh, okay, there you are. I'm, I'm watching the show live and you're, you're on the screen. There I am. There you go. Yeah. Is it setup. in sync? Uh, no, it's pretty far behind, I think. All right, good. Just making sure I had at least a good internet as Australia. He's got good Australian um, internet. So, uh... Is anybody else cutting out on their end? No, I'm good. What are you doing, watching uh, the feed? Or are you talking about your camera watching us? No, just like your voice is kind of cutting out when I when you talk. It don't matter. Keep going. Oh, uh, I forgot you can't see me. I'm shaking my head now. <laughs> <laughs> this is good practice for the audio version only. Yeah. All right, hold on. Let me grab a beer, and then we'll get into it. Okay. I'm going to do a little Insta post here, try and get some people watching this thing. I go do a stunt in the background, or I get on the roof and drink or something. Yeah, I don't know how I'm going to top the show you guys did the other week. I caught, I caught a bit of it where you had the guy catching a ball behind his back, standing on a bike. I thought that was pretty Yeah. Rad. Dude, mid-podcast, he went and did a seat surfer. It was fucking awesome. Oh, Granny, we lost Joe's camera. We lost your cameras. Right now, okay, well, we I'm can... doing an Instagram post, so I might have gone. Oh, okay. That's fine, though, because it says JS, and we can pretend like we're talking to Jeremy Stenberg. <laughs> you see that uh, the uh, text I sent you? Yeah. You like the post talking about we we're talking to Joe tonight? He did. He's a big fan of Joe. Yeah. He's a big fan of Joe. <laughs> we share the Joe? same initials, so that's what it is, you know. Yeah. He just go he googles his own initials all the time. <laughs> Comes up. Oh, this guy must be rad. <laughs> uh, cool. Just did a little Insta story. Let's see if we can get some Aussie. It's tough during the day over here. So everyone's probably at work and doing stuff that I should be doing. Like Australians don't work, do they? I thought they just drank. Oh my. Oh, they do that. They do a lot of that too, but. Uh, they go to work before they drink, or drink while they work, but either way. <laughs> yeah, uh, Joe won't drink with us, Nick. He says it's too early. It's 11 o'clock there. It's almost, that's lunchtime, basically. <laughs> yeah, but I, I have a whole day to do today. What do you have at lunch, lunch, Nick? Besides beer? Yeah. <laughs> I eat a sandwich. <laughs> What's your day take off when you have a beer right now, Joe? Yeah, it take off. It, I, I'm not a seasoned drinker anymore like I was when I lived with Clint. So if I have a beer at lunchtime, I need to go have a nap because I'm getting old, you know? <laughs> it get better as you get older. No, I'm with him. <laughs> if I have a beer and stop, I'm taking a nap. <laughs> but if I drink every beer... <laughs> I, have drink, I have to drink all the beers or none. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I can't. I can't party anymore. I can't handle hangovers. Like I look, I tell people stories about back in the day, and I'm like, I don't understand how it was achievable. Yeah, no, I rode so many shows where I'm like, I'd have like six beers now, and I'm like, oh fuck, I had that plus six shots, 
And I'm, uh, the next day, I rode at like 8 in the morning. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what? how I did half your contest, Clint. I'm sure. I seriously remember watching guys like JJ. Like, I tell the story to everyone. It would be like, they would be so hammered the next day before practice that we'd set the ramps up, get them distance, do our whole practice, and they'd wake up and be like, all right is the ramp set up? You'd be like, yeah. And they go out and do like jump, jump, flip, pull over, spew up. And then they'd be like, all right, cool. I'll see ready for tonight. Yeah. Dude, I'm sure I've told this before, but we did a circus and they, I'm sure they did it to fuck with us. We drank seriously until, I don't know, three in the morning. They call us at eight and say, hey, you guys got to get in here and practice. So we practice, everything's good, and then when I come back to do the show, I don't even rem- there's marks on the floor, other than that, I have no idea what I did. I'm just like, I might as well not even have practiced at all, because... I don't even remember how to hit the ramp. Yeah, I don't remember how I jumped this earlier, I was obviously still drunk. But we, we should probably ease up on these stories in case any of the guys I train and tell not to drink it. Well, they're racing. Yeah, it's well, true. ask them, like, just tell them how much Nick and Clint ride anymore. Yeah. Here's the, hey, they don't know who either one of us are from riding. So that should be a good indicator of... <laughs> <laughs> An indication of where that gets you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's di- it's different. It's so different. I mean, I'm I'm friends with a lot of the freestyle guys over here still, and it is a completely different lifestyle. Yeah, but they've calmed down a lot uh, as far yeah. as like leading up to events and stuff. At least it yeah, wasn't it's like, not like we it were. Used to be, you know, yeah. but it's still you're still on tour, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, you get used to that stuff. It's muscle memory. It becomes normal. And then you, I've, I've just gone solely on, okay, my body remembers how to do this because I've done it so many times a lot. What, drinking or riding? Riding, yeah. <laughs> I'm not, the funny thing is I'm not even the big drinker out of my friends. Like J-Ro and Kavanaugh and Nick. <laughs> Nick only weighs like 100 pounds though, so. Yeah, it doesn't take much. It's just like a couple of wine coolers and then I'm set. <laughs> wine coolers. But J-Ro, J-Ro will put away a 12-pack on his own and do uh. every weird bomb, like Vegas bomb and everything <laughs> anything, else. Anything with vodka. Anything yeah, with vodka and some kind of energy drink. That muscle memory yeah. works until your body just sometimes just, just forgets. Shut and that's up. when... Maybe Joe Stevens would come in handy and your training would kick in and you wouldn't fucking get wadded up so bad. No, you yeah, just want to be yeah, in shape I mean, so you don't get as hurt. I could probably train you guys to be better drinkers. Be like oh, yeah? BFS. We could just do a BFS, uh, you know, preparation <laughs> camp. <laughs> All right, let's do it. That's um, what I needed. Like when we were going to do that reunion last year, do you remember when I was coming over to go to Cali? Yeah. And, um, they were trying to organize everyone to go to Durham Town. I'm like, like I'm saying, my missus, I'm like, if I go down there for the weekend, like, I really need to start practicing now because I won't, I won't be able to function for a week after it. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, Jay and like Jay Rose still running it like that. I just saw him not too long ago. He's still running <laughs> still. it hard. <laughs> yeah, he he lived for it, man. He loved to party. Circus life got a hold of him too. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so what is that? Those guys do the circus now, eh? like Ray and Jay Rose and that. Yeah, the Universal Soul Circus. Is that like the new IFMA? Is the thing everyone does? Wow. Yeah, kind every, of, everybody kind of, yeah. was. Think about this: everybody was mad when they went to ramps. Now, now they're jumping at circuses. Yeah, it seems. I don't know, man. It's like over here, freestyle is pretty much dead. Like, if you're not on nitro, there's maybe one other. There's a couple other crews that you can somewhat make a living from, from what I can tell. But um, like I don't know, it seems the same over there now. Like, there's no yeah. everyone. Going to China, going to Asia, whatever they got to do to make money. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. But, I mean, if there's a paycheck jump anywhere, you got to take it, I guess. Yeah. See, I say this all the time: the freestyle is like stripping, and it's just too easy to go make a couple grand. <laughs> just got. That's why it. they go so synonymously together, isn't it? You gotta just shake your ass a little bit. Make yourself a little bit of change. When go, I do my taxes, my tax lady's like, there's only one other person I can even compare to this this tax return. And it was just the stripper. She's like, I don't know how to put this all together. Because nobody else gets paid like that. See? Yeah, it's sporadic at best. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, I just couldn't talk in the hospital. Go ahead. So you are living in New Jersey now. Yeah. So you like on Jersey Shore now. <laughs> no, I got no hair to slick back. No, but you could definitely run a muscle top. I could just picture you fist bumping in the club. Dude, well, I'm going to go down the seaside this weekend, right where that shit was filmed. And I'm going to fucking have some uh, shots and do my laundry or whatever. I hated those type of people. Listen, before I even moved away, and that was even a thing, I fucking hated those people. And the super bad Guidos, which, and listen, I know and I'm friends with a bunch of them because it's inevitable around here. (laughs) But I wasn't super, like, the ones like that that wanted to fight all the time, obviously, I wasn't friends with. Then... Yeah. <clears throat> that shit happened to come out about the same time I started traveling around. So then that was it. Every place I went, then I told them I was from New Jersey. <laughs> That's the first thing out of their mouths. I was like, thank you. Thank yeah. you on TV. It, it never gets all, you know, same with me. Whenever I used to, I still travel heaps now, but the accent, I don't know, pretty much. And I sound Aussie enough that I don't really get questioned over here anymore, but. Oh, where are you from? Oh, it's like, oh, English. Oh, it's like, it gets old. Why? Wow, what do they yeah, say? Yeah, is it more Aussie than uh, English or what? My accent? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I had like a, an American twang going on at first when I <coughs> when I was over there for a couple of years with Clint and that. And then <clears throat> Joe's an accent a shapeshifter. Bit. I'm a chameleon. He's an accent shapeshifter. He'll he'll gain whatever, wherever he's at, he'll gain that accent in like two weeks. <laughs> I get that though. You go down south and then you start getting a twang to it. And I'll come home and Christy would correct me. 
y'all. Well, the thing I don't get is this: is like you know, I I understand. I've got English friends over here and stuff, and it's like nothing against them. But why would you move across the world and then spend ten years somewhere and sound exactly the way you did before you moved? Like you're not blending into where you live. You know, you're not taking on the culture. You're not embracing a better place to live. You know what I mean? So it's like I could. You know, I could sound like I did where I grew up, but it's not going to help anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, you could get more pussy if you sound different. Come on, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a happily settled man, Clint. I don't need to worry about that anymore. (laughs) Did you get an Aussie chick, or did you get a... You're married then? No, I have have an Aussie chick. Yeah, Aussie chick. Yeah? See, the accent worked at some point. Can she out-drink you? What's that? Can she out-drink you? Yeah, for sure. 110%. But, um, yeah, like, the other thing is also, like, with the, you know, like, I did TV for the last three years. It's kind of hard to be doing that sort of stuff. And if I was to talk how I talk when I first met Clint, I don't even think the Aussie fans would be able to understand me. Really? What were you doing on TV? Uh, I do the the MX Nationals over here. We did the the live broadcast. Oh, shit, I've watched that. Not know that was you. That's me. NLG TV. See, I didn't do that much research. I did like a little bit. Where did you watch right. that, Nick? Huh? Where'd you watch that? You can't get anything online because you don't know how to use the internet. It's well, a live, yeah, it's a live stream show, so you just. I don't do it anymore. I had to stop this year because of the race team I'm running, <laughs> but um. Yeah. To finish the point is like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I just don't get the whole, you move on from a country, you don't, you know, you know, keep it. I don't try to lose it, I don't try to keep it, I just whatever, you know. You haven't learned anything by the news, have you? You're supposed to move someplace and, in, <laughs> and enforce your views. <laughs> hey, yeah, take a exactly drink. who I don't want to be. Uh, Clint always gets political. Yeah. It's his age. <laughs> so I said I'm catching up. You drink some of your coffee, Joe. Train's going by. Be respectful. This is to this the is tea right here. Oh, he's having tea. Tea is not even caffeinated. Hey, there is nearly more caffeine per gram if in tea than there is coffee. I have what, what tea? Black? Green? Yeah. Black. English red green. Green sends you to sleep. I don't know. We're America, dude. We got herbal teas and shit. You can't yeah, you guys, look. It's it's black. It's black tea. English breakfast tea. Alright, alright. And Is that's it, the problem over there. You ask for like, uh, you know, you go to breakfast and you're like, yeah, can I get a tea? And they're like, oh, do you like herbal tea? Do you want yeah. this tea? I'm like, nah, I just want tea. Right? And they're like, do you want honey? Do you want cream? And I'm like, nah, man, I just want tea. Just, Here, just if you it. want tea, it's to like open your pores or something. Have you ever? Yeah, you can't trip. Like where I'm at, you ask for an iced tea. They usually give you a normalized tea. You go down south, and, and you're instantly in like diabetic shock because they just <laughs> dumped a cup of sugar in it. It's I bet it's more than a cup. Like I don't drink soda, man. Get me a sweet tea. Yeah, they're like. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they'll do like a gallon or two and add seriously like two or three cups of sugar to it. <laughs> not even joking. <laughs> it's so much yeah. sugar. I remember. I remember. 
Um, so, what do you do on a daily basis, Joe? Um, so today, I've got to go to basically. So we have a lot of different things going on with the program. So I have a mechanic that has a maintenance contract and does all our motors and suspension for the race team. So um, this weekend we have our juniors, what you call amateurs in the States there. Um, we have a state race. So that is right by my house. So um, I've got to basically take, I think, four or five rear wheels to our mechanic. He's got to fit sand paddle tires because it's a big sand track we're racing at on the weekend. So I'll do that, and then I'll go to one track with one of my pro guys for a little bit, and then I've got to go to another track tonight with one of my off-road guys and just, um, yeah, just do a bit of training with them and watch them ride. And then um, normally I'd be in the office where I'm in the office right now, but I'd be doing, you know, emails and parts orders and everything else, you know, but pretty much just running the running the ship, I guess you'd say. Um. That's pretty sweet. So you guys got a rig and everything? Do the amateur yeah. do you have an amateur and a pro rig or is it the same rig? No, so we have a pro rig. We have <clears> like <throat> a it's like a thirteen ton truck with a tower gate and you know, it's sort of like an in between it's like the biggest truck you can get before you get a semi truck, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um but thirteen that, ton is that like is... a twenty five hundred? I don't know. I don't know what that would be in the States, but um, <laughs> it fits like eight bikes in it, all the parts, all the water, you know, um, and that thing goes around the country. But the problem we have with the, the amateur venues is that they don't have a lot of hard standing, you know, pit space. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so we run the risk of getting the truck bogged if we take it to the amateur events. Um, so we normally just take, I've got a, like a, what you guys call like a pickup truck. We, I've got a ute here that, the ute in the trailer, and we use that for the amateur guys, and um, and they have like three or four pit tents set up, and just have everything set up that way. You should get it. You should just run the big truck, get a winch, and I'll be tired. <laughs> <laughs> well, four, four being it's pretty big over here too. They love all that. It's kind of like it is in Georgia with the mud, mud bogs, mud drags, and stuff. Yo, in <laughs> in uh, Guyana, that's just life. That's just getting to the fucking market. <laughs> just getting dinner. Yeah. They're like, listen, I got to go to the next town. That's going to be a two-hour mud bog fest just to get there. <laughs> so what was the guy saying that on your Instagram? What, the, what was the guy with that? Um, I got friends. I do that show in Guyana. And uh, the promoter. I see the show over there. Okay. Huh? You did a show over there. Well, in the past. Uh, I've done where, it. Where is Guyana? It's in South America. It's right next to Brazil. Oh, okay. And Suriname. Yeah, country. Yeah. It's the only Caribbean South American country because it's right at the end of the islands. They speak English, albeit it's Islander English. So you're like, <laughs> yeah. you're like what? I said they technically speak English. Please speak Roger. slowly. They just kept yelling at me, hey, white boy. That's what my was nickname awesome. was on the trip. Hey, white boy. <laughs> just all day, all day long, that's what I hear. Hey, white boy, we got dinner over here. Like, hey, white boy, put gas in your bike. 
uh, it is. I think um, they would still speak better English than some of the, the, the people that used to live down by you, Clint. I'm pretty sure of that. <laughs> no, you... I'm pretty sure you went to Louisiana. I think that's the worst. I know. I never made it to Louisiana. I'm bummed out uh, about that. Oh, you missed out. You did miss I know. out. You go to the One swamp in Louisiana? No idea. <laughs> I mean, I watch TV shows. You get what's that TV show? Oh uh, yeah, swamp people. <laughs> the yeah, old bayou. The bayou. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's that was, right. That was spot on. That was pretty good. Yeah, go pretty good with the accents. You keeping up with uh, MXGP and um, American Motocross? Yeah, I keep up American Motocross more so than MXGP. Like, it's of tough because I have to do all series and then the AMA and then like MXGP. I find it, I don't know, the race has been good this year, but it's pretty boring sometimes. Why do you say that? I don't know, man. Just, I think the, the reason is, well, I've been slack. I need to buy the, you know, the online pass for MXGP yeah. for the MXTV. Um, if I did that, I think it would be better. But we get it on our TV over here. But they have really bad commentators and a really bad TV package. Um, so I think that's why I don't enjoy it too much. I really need to do that. But I don't know, man. You can't watch everything. I, obviously, I stay up to date on, on social media and follow who's doing what. But... Um, you know, it's, it's tough to start the day with every series because obviously I'm pretty heavily invested in our series over here, so I spend most of the time analyzing that. Yeah, we get it. You got a life and stuff, and we don't. We're just sitting here <laughs> watching fantasy motocross nah, on I TV. <laughs> I watch racing now more than I don't ride hardly anymore than I did when I rode. When I rode, I like I didn't care because I was I was out every weekend racing or something. You know. Yeah. And that's the thing, it's kind of, it's tough. To, and that is, it's long too, like you got, you know, the, I still haven't finished watching Thunder Valley, i got one more moto to go, like I know what happened, but. Yeah, you same here. Sit down and watch, you know, I think it's four hours of TV or yeah. something, go around. Well, and that's yeah. what it is, you need to, I've even seen some of the stuff, uh, maybe we were drinking or whatever at a bar, and then it's like. I need to go and rewatch it because I actually want to watch the battles. You know, that's the good part yeah, about watching that stuff. Pay attention. And that's the thing. Like, if I want to watch it, i got to get up, like, early as so I can watch it before I go to work or before my girlfriend gets up because there's no quiet TV time once that happens. <laughs> you better watch it, Joe. <laughs> you know it's on the internet. You better watch She's it. She's going to find it. Oh, that's, yeah, that's all good. I tell her all the time. It's like, she, you know, I'll be away for, you know, three or four days at a national and I'll get home at, you know, Sunday night, like midnight and she'll wait up so we can hang out. And I'll be like, oh, I just, I just want to watch the Supercross real quick. And she's like, you've been away at the race four days. How can you want to watch motocross? I'm like, it's, it's different though, babe, because I haven't seen this one yet. You know? <laughs> yep. Um, <sighs> so what do you think about the Supercross series then? Um, like 450s? Yeah. Let's go 450. 450, it was interesting. Like, I feel that Dungey probably didn't get the credit he deserved because Tomac was just killing it. But you could see that Dungey was going through a transitional phase into retirement. Like, he was over it. He's burned out. He's done. You know? Yeah. Um, 
I don't understand Tomac. I really don't. Like for someone that's so good and so mentally strong, now we're seeing it in the outdoors a little bit again. Like he just has these little phases of a few weeks where it just it's not even average it's just really bad well do you think that and i've been thinking about that too and i feel like he wants to vindicate that season on the hondas that he really should have just blown everybody's doors off outdoor outdoors you know and then he blew his shoulders out and i think maybe he's putting himself in the positions to win the championships and then kind of like I'm right there, I'm going to do it, and then, like, freaking himself out. Although it is super early and outdoors for already to trip yourself out, but it seems like he kind of did that. Yeah, I think it's, you know, he had, what, the first two rounds, we had a fifth and an eighth or something, and then, what, he ran round three after Roxon went out? Or was it round four? What, in uh, Supercross? In Supercross, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but... He, yeah, he's, it's tough to, you know, that was probably the peak form of his career. That was like a Ricky Carmichael spec. Like if he hadn't got injured, that he would have dominated for the next two or three years, you know, at yeah. that level. From right, 15. exactly. Um, but now he's had those injuries. But I also feel like the sport's changing a lot and those dominating years don't really seem to be happening anymore like they used to, you know. Well, look at how many people are really badass. That's the thing. Yeah. What do you got going on here? Daddy. Yeah, this kid. Daddy. Keep going. He's he'll ignore it. He's not. He can't hear anything. What's up, dude? I'm not worried about yeah, him ignoring you. He's loud. That's my, my little guy. He got an alligator. He's working on his diabetes. He knows he's not supposed to have us. Do your kids who train drink that shit? What Gatorade? Yeah. Depends what kid it is. <laughs> like there's some kids where I'm like, you do not need any additional sugar. So just that's mouth. this kid. That's him right here, man. But then there's some kids before the race. I'll be like, can you just drink a Red Bull or something and wake the hell up? Because we got to go now. You know, Let's do it. <laughs> we got things to do. Yeah. So it all depends on the kid. Uh, yeah, but so what's up with Tomek? I think uh, he gets. Does he think he gets nervous, or you think he's like psyched out? Yeah, I think he's. I think he's psyching himself um, out. Taylor, you're it. You're the zombie. I don't think Taylor. nervous. Is, uh, We're gonna yeah, you're gonna have to move. He's probably not an appropriate. Hey, you know, we're gonna start yeah. running loud, okay? We're gonna run loud, loud, Nick. Man. You're gonna have to move. Are they that loud? Yeah, it's super yeah. loud. I got those fucking headphones on. I thought they would help. No. Can you hear me now? No, we can hear you. <laughs> but the kids are seeing it. I'm allowed to an hour still. I took it out. Hey! Alright. Y'all need to be quiet here. <laughs> Y'all kids, shut up! Oh, yeah, that worked. Oh, didn't work. Go ahead. I'm on. That's it. Got um, kicked out yeah, of his own so, backyard. I, I think no, this is probably uh. You know, at that level, nerves is probably the wrong word, but I think it's more just, I don't know, it's just that slight little bit of doubt or inconsistencies in his concentration, maybe. I don't know. It's hard to, I don't feel that the program he's on and the way he rides and his speed level and where he's at, he can't just be like, oh, Dungey's in my head this weekend or the championships in my head. It's so hard to put a reason behind it, you know? 
don't know, man. Seems like it's gotta be something because he just. I mean, let's talk about a Savaji. Same thing. Savaji is the same thing. He's put himself in the position to win a bunch of championships. Well, at least three. Last year's Supercross. Last year's outdoors. This year's Supercross. He's doing it again outdoors. He's obviously fast, but it seems like when it comes down to it, end of the season, when he realize when he's like about to realize, you know, his dream of winning a championship, that kind of weighs on him. Yeah, it's um, overthinking, probably just not doing what he knows how to do. It's so it's so easy from the sidelines though to say it, you know. It's man, the yeah, guys sure. work on the best programs in the world and they perform at such a high level that I don't think anyone can really know. Like it's easy from the outside looking in, but there's so many moving parts to what them guys have going on each week. Um, but yeah, I mean, it comes down to the fact that Tomac should have won that championship, same as Savachi, and they didn't. Um, yeah. What more can you say? I, I agree. I mean, we're just speculating, and that's all we're trying to do. Yeah. I don't figure, you know. Here's the thing is you say, which I agree with you, that their levels and everything is at such a high um, level, but so is everybody. So that's what makes it still, with all that training and everything, you know, people go, well, they train all the time. How do you get arm pump? You know, it's like because everybody's yeah. pushing as friggin' hard as they can. And taxed mentally, you know, even because they rode all week, they're still riding it as hard as they can. Yeah, and it's so, and the thing with riders is that's what I've learned over the years working with riders, getting to the point where we're at now is that it's so mental, you know, the mental side of the sport. When you get to that elite pro level, like, you know, Tomac and Dungey, like, they may appear superhuman, but I feel like. There's a vast majority of, say, the top 10 that, if they had the right mental approach and the right programming, could probably run that speed and do it regularly, but they have blocks in their mind, you know? And, well, I'll, um, I'll go even further. They can run the speed, just not for as long, <clears throat> you know, yeah. for the whole moto. Here's even an inst- interesting one. Look at Muskin. The last couple of years, he got to the point where you're like, this guy's obviously fast. He should be winning some stuff. He's even been in front of, you know, how much was that, uh, what was it, uh, Atlanta, where Stewart was going in the inside rut, and Muskin just messed up going around him, and then uh, Dungey beat him on the last lap. Yeah, they, like, cross-jumped each other and nearly died, and it was, yeah. Yeah, hairy. exactly. And now all of a sudden, Dungey's gone, boom, Muskin's just, Winning motos and, uh, you know what I mean, leading the points. It's just confidence, eh? Like, it's just mental uh, <clears throat> continuity and, and building and confidence and not getting injured. And I don't know, like, I think you probably see Savachi, like, if he manages to win outdoors this year, which, I don't know, is going to be a tough order for him with Osborne. Um, Although Osborne, does, Osborne seems to be having a little bit of a, a breakdown as well right now. Well, I think he was sick at Thunder Valley, eh? Yeah, that's what they said, huh? Yeah, so I, I don't think he would be, what was he, 8th and 5th or something? Like, that doesn't seem like him. Yeah. When he completely waxed everyone at round 1. Right. Which I expected um, him to continue to do, but... 
Well, it, yeah, and it's uh, it's tough. Like it's uh, you know we don't have like say in Australia like we have um, quite a even playing field as far as machinery and equipment and and riders for the most part. So like we have one guy right now, Dean Ferris, who's coming over to race High Point. He's doing round four with you guys in AMA, and um, but he rides for Factory Yamaha over here. He won the MX1 title last year. He's raced MXGPs. And he's on another level. Like, no one can touch him. He's like four or five, four or five, but, you know, a good two to two or so seconds a lap on average faster than just about everybody in the field. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's on probably the only real factory team in the country where they have a lot of uh, parts that, you know, you don't have access to. They have in-house tech guys, in-house suspension guys, like a lot of the teams over here outsource all that stuff. Um, but... Now, everyone else is pretty close, whereas over there, it seems like, especially in the 250 class, like if you're not on one of those Geico or PC or Star Yamaha teams, you're not going to be competitive. Even if you had the ability to run with those guys, you're just not going to get there. Yeah. <clears throat> That's probably so how would you, true. How would you break it down? Like bikes, riders, confidence, training, like what do they, I mean, are they all equal or is, is, is it something a key? I, I think it's subjective to the rider. I really do. It's like you can, because you can take, you can take a guy that you see a team sign and you have everything that leads to him killing. Like Christian Craig this year is an example, right? Like Christian Craig coming in, should have rode west, but didn't. But after the year he had last year, building award this year, like everyone was tipping Craig to just kill it. And, you know, he had David Villeman training him, had Everything in place. Best team, probably one of the best bikes. Really good trainer, really good program. You know, been back in the pro ranks for a couple of years. And then I think he won one heat race and podium one main, maybe. Um, and you ask, you know, the interview, they go, you know, what's going on with Christian Craig? He's like, I don't know. I need to be better. I don't know what's going on. It's just there's something blocking him up top. But then, you know, maybe next year it changes for him and it's, it's a different story. So... It's so subjective to the rider. I think every, I think in this sport, timing is everything. Um, you got to have the right rider signing to the right bike at the right point in his career, and then if all the stars align, because how many times you see it, like a team sign someone that's got a buzz that they're going to kill it, and then literally nothing happens. Yeah, totally. Or an like injury have, or something uh, like that. A guy over here, like um, Alexander Tonkov, he races uh, MXGPs. And he's won MXGPs. He's been a podium guy over there, and he had visa issues because he's from Russia, so he couldn't race MXGP this year. So he signed for our factory Kawasaki team in the 450s to do the Australian Nationals, and he um, he could I think he was eighth, ninth, tenth overall. Like it was crazy. And that's a guy that's won MXGPs, you know. Hmm. Um, and they just released him from his contract. He's going back to Russia to figure out, you know, he just didn't gel over here with anything. So it's like, technically, a guy that's won MSGP should come to a domestic championship and smoke, and, and smoke everybody, you know, but it didn't work out. Like, my guy, my 450 rider who works a full time job and, um, you know, is on our team as a, you know, we're a privateer team, but he was battling with him in some rounds. And you go, what? You know, that's not right. Right. So, man, um, I, uh, maybe the track, how are the tracks over there? Are they real fat? Like, 
MXGPs seem, and I don't know, obviously I've not ridden any, but seem just really fast and maybe not super rough. I mean, they um, get rough, but MX they're not like yeah. rutted like American, you know, motocross tracks. I think the biggest thing with MXGP is that it's natural terrain. Like America, every track's the same. Like you guys would seriously be able to run the same suspension settings and the same <clears throat> tires almost the entire series. Bro, are you that. talking shit? <laughs> no, I mean it's like Thunder Valley's got better now. Like it's actually more hard packing again. But even Thunder Valley a few years ago, they were bringing sand in and making it like a full. You know, you look at say, right, Hangtown's hard pack, Thunder Valley's hard pack, and Mount Morris's hard pack. Every other track nearly is that loamy, sandy mix that you guys run over there. Unadilla is rocks. All right, and Unadilla. So what's that? Three out of twelve venues. Four out of twelve venues. Maybe you know? maybe America just has the best dirt on earth to ride on, right? I will say <laughs> it does. Yeah. It does. There's nothing nothing wrong with it. But what I'm saying is, in MXGP is like you go to France, or you go to England, or you go to wherever, and the tracks on the side of the mountain, um, and it's it's hard packed base. There's flint. There's rock. That's what it is. They don't bring sand in. They don't do anything. You know, yeah. that's the track. So, I think I think the MXGP riders are more. Even Red Bull like a loamy mix, and they brought in tons and tons of sand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Red Bull's like still, and they rip it so deep over there now too. So it's like you know, if you don't have the horsepower or you don't have that bike and two fifties, it's impossible to run up front out of the gate. Um. So I think that's where the MSGP advantage comes in is probably they're, they're more rounded riders because of the varying terrain they have to ride. Um, but then you come to Australia, like we have real, the dirt here is crazy. We have, it's the most arid country in the world. So the dirt's really hard back. Um, so even if it's ripped and prepped and deep, it, instead of, you know, how I tell all my riders or anyone I talk to is like the, the American bumps they build out of the ground. Um, and they, they churn up so you can skip them you can stay on top of them in Australia a lot of the bumps exiting the corners the, the, the dirt falls away and it becomes square edged because the ground's just so hard underneath so it's more edgy more hard pack um, it's definitely different to ride anywhere else in the world says a guy that's ridden in Georgia and California <laughs> they have yeah. to have good dirt in both of those places yeah New Cali, Jersey, Georgia. Sucks. I rode a little bit up in Chicago as well. Yeah. I rode some tracks up there with the Rose. Big Where at? Right, Juliet. Oh, I don't remember, man. We're going back a long time. Ten years. Right, weren't great. I remember going to some supercross track with some snowmobile dude. That was pretty cool. Um, that was Juliet, I bet. Maybe. Mm. And then I remember, <laughs> I remember riding. I remember riding ramps in Jason Street, like actually in. The street, yeah, for his dad's yeah, birthday. No, nah, no, nah, just we had a show and I'd never ridden his ramps before. He's like, You want to practice? Uh, I'm like, Yeah, I probably would like to. He's like, All right, we'll set the ramps up in the street. I'm like, We're in suburbia. What do you mean in the street? Yeah, you're about to go like, ride oh. polished concrete. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's, it's cool, man. With something, it was a private street or something. Anyway, it was just a midweek day and we were out sessioning in the street. All the neighbors came out. And it's Wakanda. Yeah. The Rose own Wakanda. You don't realize that? Yeah, I kind of got that vibe after. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
yeah, the dirt, like Georgia has the best dirt in, you know, close to in the world, I'd say. That's pretty sweet. So let's hear about your team. Like, who, who's on it? What is it? Like, I don't know shit about it. Okay. It's the rundown. So, like, last year we just had a, a junior development program, amateur program. Um, we had, you know, a Beagle 85, 125, 250 riders. And then this year we decided to expand, and I've gone ahead and, and, and had a pro team. So we have um, three guys on the pro team that run the development 250 series the nationals and then mx2 and mx1 so we are supported by peter stevens which is like the biggest motorcycle retailer in the country and then through them we get like dunlop fox um you know motor x like a lot of big brands that come on pro circuit all those guys that help and yeah, basically we have, you know, we're, we're branded as a development program because me as a coach, as a trainer, like my, my coaching program, that's the whole point of it. We're trying to take guys that can be privateers that come into a team environment and we help them progress and, you know, we're not out there trying to win because we don't have the budget for that and that's not what it's about. You know, we've got guys that are, you know, 10 to 15 at pro national level and guys that are top five at amateur level, at national level, you know, so... Um, it's more about taking the riders to that next step. And don't get me wrong, they would love to have support back in the, to go after pro championships and stuff, but it's only our, it's our second year in a team environment, so we're nowhere near ready for that yet. So where are you guys at in the season right now? It's going into winter. Yeah. Do you have Supercross? Or? No, no, no. So it's opposite. So over here, it's motocross in winter, Supercross in summer. What? Really? It's so hot, you have to go inside to do supercrosses? <laughs> yeah, but we don't have indoor stadiums. Aside from that one in Sydney, um, all the other supercrosses are outdoors. But the problem is over here, man, is that summer is like, if you wanted to run a, an, an outdoor national, um, imagine, well, you know, you got like Red Bud in summer, or you got Glen Helen in summer, it's crazy hot, but you guys have um, infrastructure to and a lot of people to make sure the track's good. Um, we just don't have that over here. So if we were to run a national in the middle of summer, like it wouldn't matter what you did to the track, it would be too dry. So it's best to have it over winter. And then they schedule the, the national series. So like we do the first half of the series from autumn to the start of winter, and we do it down south. Um, and then we do the second half of the series. We've got five rounds to go, which kick off in July. And we'll be all, we only have one round in Victoria, which is the state I live in, but the rest of the series is in New South Wales and Queensland, where the weather's really good in winter. Because you got to remember, summer in half of the country, like north and half of the country, summer is almost tropical, so it rains every day. What sounds like here? Yeah, but I'm, I'm not talking like little rain. I'm talking you know, <laughs> <laughs> like monsoon rain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, uh, it's a very interesting climate here. Like everyone's scattered. I live right on the beach. Everyone's scattered around like the outside of the country. There's not much inland. There's not much of a population here, to be honest with you. Yeah, what's the population of Australia for how big it is? I think we just hit 40 mil. Oh, that's not shit. Australia's huge. Yeah, yeah it's massive. I'm saying like populate per capital, we have... You know, our economy is crazy good for the amount of people we have living here compared to the States where you guys have, like, 
hundreds of millions. I don't even know what it is. 300? Is that what we got? Uh, yeah, 300 probably. million? So, I think like 300 million. So, you know, our, our motocross industry and, and our motocross economy as a whole for the amount of people we have here is really, really good. Ours sucks because there's little shithead kids at home that are like, I'm not paying two bucks for your app, bro. <laughs> They're like, I want it for free. No wonder why nobody wants to make shit for motocross people. Yeah, but selling anything digital is tough, man. Apps or anything like that. Or online podcasts. Very difficult to sell. Oh, eventually. Especially, <laughs> Especially when they're so professional. You can monetize it one day, you know? Like well, you we already gotta... did. One of our one of our um, podcasts made six cents. I didn't I didn't even get my cut. Well, <laughs> I'm going to owe you a dollar soon. That's some bullshit. He's trying to hustle you. You ain't getting it. <laughs> you, know I mean? you look at like the Pulp MX show, like that's been going for what, seven years or something? How about DMXS? Yeah, I'm not really familiar. I know about it, but I'm not too familiar so, with it. DMXS is, what are you doing, bro? I dropped my phone, sorry. Oh, he's from Georgia. Oh, that's that Kevin Kelly dude, yeah. right? Yeah. He, we, yeah, I went to uh, some uh, of yeah. his shows early on, in studio. Yeah, I hung. I remember hanging out with him at the Atlanta Supercross a couple of years. Yeah, ago. exactly. Was, yeah, I but, don't know. It's I don't know much about that show, but um, it, I've seen it around. Yeah, I don't listen to it either since they don't have me on anymore. That's how it goes. <laughs> 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 it was never the same. So, sorry, Kevin, but your show just lost something after I wasn't on it. <laughs> Dude, we're going, we're going up. We had five people watching. What? Yeah, Shit, fuck. I'm not even watching. It was killing my ears. I'm one of them. I need to, I need to get off of it. No, that's we'll fine. We'll take your number. No, <laughs> we'll just add to our standard. We always that. have two people watching. It's usually me and Clint. Joy is about padding the numbers. That's right. That's right. You are watching it, though. Oh. You need to see me somehow. I sh tried to show you, Nick. I forgot. I'm drinking Lone Star beer. Oh, can't see it. Sounds like you're just making it up. I smuggled it. I smuggled it. Let me know when you see it. I'm holding it up for the camera. I turned it off. I'm telling you. The, uh, the, the YouTube was... That's what was making you talk funny earlier. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm at home. Normally, I'm at the office, so my internet's a little better. At home, it's apparently so not so good. skimping at home. For the kids. Well, they're outside. We got a sleepover going on tonight. Uh oh, uh -oh I lost Joe. We lost Joe. No, no, I'm, here. Uh, I'm, here. I'm just checking out. Jeremy uh, Stenberg's back. Anyone clicking? Oh, this is a good time then. I'll be right back. Jeremy Stenberg's back on the show, folks. Or James Stewart. Or James. We'll go with James Stewart this time. Damn it, it's just Joe. JS69 in the house. That's me. <laughs> Um, so that's sweet. Uh, what made you, which I don't think I've actually talked to you about this, but like what made you come up with that idea? Well, your dad owned a gym, correct? Yeah. So I, sorry, I got something in my mouth. Uh, it was, the story goes like when I was over, even when I did freestyle, man, like I was a racer in England and 
I wanted to be a pro racer. I wanted to make it, so to speak. And I just didn't have the back end or the environment to do it. You know, I mean, it costs a lot of money. It takes a lot of years. That was just wasn't going to happen. Um, so then I was like, well, I, you know, when I came over to you, man, it wasn't like I wanted to be a pro freestyler. It was just I was young and had an opportunity, I guess. I didn't really know I had that opportunity until I came out to stay with you. And then it was like, shit, I can make some money and jump bikes and travel around America like I'm down, you know. Um, but by the end of my time over there, I was like kind of over it, I guess, with the freestyle thing. Um, and then when I moved over to Oz, cause I, I needed to find somewhere to live properly cause it wasn't going to be America. Um, freestyle scene over here was crazy, dude. Like everyone worked full-time jobs cause there wasn't a lot of money to be made doing freestyle, but then they were still doing, you know all the big backflip tricks and standing there because Aussies are loose as just loose as. <laughs> and I actually did a couple of shows over here and it was like I rode for four or five days at one state fair and I did a few other things and I was making like not even a thousand bucks a show and I'm like, this is just stupid. You know, the risk reward wasn't there anymore and, you know, Bill Coe and Camp Sinclair and all those guys live in my neighborhood. Like they're a town over and, I didn't get access to those guys for a lot of years because they were so busy on tour. I just never met them. So I didn't have anyone to really ride with and do it properly. And I was like, so long story short, like didn't got out of riding. I just worked a job and didn't ride and didn't do nothing. And then when I made a little bit of money, I'm like, there's a few tracks. I'm like, screw it. I'll go get a bike and just start riding again. And I was only still like what, 21, 22. And then I was going to the local tracks and, and the guys that raced, I was just, you know, I was faster than them or, or as fast. And I was like, shit, I should probably start racing again because I could still go okay. And then that was it, you know, like I did that for a couple of years and it started racing nationals again and did that for half a season and then remembered why I stopped just because I was broke and couldn't compete properly. And at that point, it was like I'd, the industry was a little behind here. Like, you know, I'd sent myself to train in Millsaps before I raced nationals over here in 2012. I trained in California. Like, I'd seen the, the training programs, and over here it was really old-fashioned. Like, it hadn't progressed, and there was no one doing that side of things, what I'd say, right, you know. So I figured that's, you know, I was still young. I could start something up and didn't have to make a ton of money to get by. And then, I don't know, it just evolved. Like, I started training people in the the garage at my house and going to the tracks and then before you know it it's like well i had enough people training that i opened a gym and then the gym business grew and the coaching business grew and yeah it was i don't know i guess it was just pretty organic the way it evolved they didn't have like a business plan i sort of wish i had because it probably would have helped a lot but when you're young you don't think that way you know what's the business um, plan <laughs> <laughs> It's it's important. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know, to answer your question, like I wanted to be around the sport, I wanted to be involved in in moto, and obviously the next best thing than being a racer, probably a better thing than being a racer. In all honesty, is being a trainer because you get to live it, but you don't have to go through it yourself. As far as the hardships, and I don't know, man, like just a lot of cool opportunities came from starting up the brand that was, you know, mad motocross athlete development, and then. Yeah, I mean, that was six, seven years ago I started this stuff up and 
and it's just kind of ebbed and flowed into a lot of different things where, you know, the TV came from it. Now the race team ended up getting rid of the gym a couple of years ago, but we've had a lot of different, a lot of, you know, it would be really tough to talk about it all in detail because it's just been a pretty crazy ride, actually. No, it's awesome. I'm pumped for you. I know we had a bunch of, uh, you picked my brain a little bit about businesses and stuff. I remember, and I don't remember exactly the conversations we had, but I remember you being like, why do you do that? And it was something to do with riders. And I was basically, I remember being like, I'm over them. <laughs> the pain in the ass. Yeah. But, well, here's the thing though, Clint, because this is, this is one thing I always talk about with people is that I, when I came from the UK, it was like people, people rode. A few people had like freestyle team setups. And like, if you ran a motocross race thing, you just had a truckload of money. And where I came from, I didn't have access to any of that stuff. You know what I mean? I didn't know the right people. I wasn't connected that way. It took me coming to the States and living with you. And then I saw the business side of the sport for the first time, which was, number one, I could actually make money riding. But then I'd see you work and I'd go to business meetings with you. I saw how you dealt with sponsors, how you got all that stuff. And I'm like a sponge, man. Like, if I'm around something, I take it on, you know? And... By the time I got done staying with you and being on tour and dealing with promoters and staying with different people, I did that for a couple of years. And I'm like, fuck, I learned so much. It wasn't even about the writing. It was about what I learned as far as, I guess, business and, and as a person that you you take all that stuff on board and then you start to see anything, the opportunities and business that there is to be had in the sport you want to do. You know, it's But you need that education i guess you'd call it you know it's kind of like going to college almost sweet do you see any differences like from what you're talking about you learned from clint like in the u.s between the uk and australia of how you would handle that type of shit um i don't know man the u.s is um i think it's it's probably harder in america i'll be honest with you um i feel like you guys are in a very tough situation right now with everything as far as the economy and you know trying to you know freestyle for, for now i mean it's pretty much done really hey when shit when i was over there there was maybe three ifmas a weekend three monster jam shows a weekend and then there was all the independent monster jam shows and like there was there was a shortage of riders for all of that stuff um yeah, now it seems opposite. like none of that goes on anymore it's the opposite now I've had some big yeah. name guys like a couple years ago be like, hey man, if you need somebody for shows, and I'm like, we're in trouble. This dude's asking me for fucking shows. Like, yeah, dude. yeah, and that's the, the thing I sort of saw coming, you know, I finished up at the end of 08, side of 09 over there, and it was booming, and then within a couple of years, it seemed like it really slowed down. Yeah, and then also, you know, like, any sport where there's a bunch of young people that are doing it because they're passionate about it, it starts to cannibalize itself because young kids go, I just want to ride for a living. I don't need that much money or whatever, you know? So like flip pay went from in my career alone, as far as flipping from like 3,500 in the United States and 4,500 out of the States to now, I, I bet you get fucking fifteen hundred, two grand the flip. 
Oh, do you even get paid a flip? Like I know over here, there is no flip money. No you just difference. get paid to ride. Why would you flip? That's crazy. Yeah, exactly, I would just stop flipping. <laughs> but you ha- no, but you have to flip to get shows. Well, everybody's flipping. Yeah, that's, that that, that's gone backwards with inflation. That's crazy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's retarded. It's like you got to be able to, if you want to ride for any company that would give you enough shows to be even a part-time job, you got to flip. <laughs> Yeah, who do you have? Showtime. Showtime is slowing down nowadays. They've been going for a long time. Um, there's a company called Freestyle Kings from Sydney yeah, that is yeah, starting to pop yeah, up. Yeah. We got a couple of trucks, and one of the guys I know down here rides for them, and they have a really good reputation. They pay good, and it's that Vicky Golden comes out and does a bunch yeah, of stuff yeah. for them. They also have that set up in China at the casino or yeah. whatever. Yeah, they're the ones that do that casino. But to go over there. Like, they're probably. Showtime still has fucking Harry Bank and Sully. So, I mean... Yeah, they're, they're pretty rippers. much contracted to Nitro. I think they just do a Showtime show here or there. Yeah. Well. Sully, I think Sully doesn't do Nitro anymore. He's more, you know... I mean, they're still doing a lot of shows, don't get me wrong, but back in the day, like, Showtime had two landings, and they'd have shows every weekend with both landings, you know? Yeah, yeah. You so, think I mean, Freestyle is going to go kind of like motocross where, like, what, the top 10 guys are making something and then everybody else is showing up kind of to, at least in the States, it seems that way. I mean, that's pay how away it's been. a little bit. Yeah, I don't think um, the thing with Freestyle, I feel like Freestyle and skateboarding or BMX, the industry shares a, uh, a, a similar timeline where, like, remember when skateboarding exploded in the 70s or 80s, whenever it was, and then it died in the 90s, and the same as BMX. Yeah. Um, that's what they're going through now. Yeah, motocross, freestyle motocross went through that boom. Like, everything you could possibly think of that should have probably took 20 years of progression and made the sport sustainable happened in five years, you know? Um, so now every kid's going to have to do front flip flares and... Uh, double backflips in order to just compete in freestyle motocross and we're not going to pay him anything because this the industry doesn't make that much money it sounds sweet well that's the thing and like you look at like there's one guy over here he's not a kid he's like 20 you know mid-20s i think ryan brown his name is you've yeah, probably yeah. seen him on instagram oh yeah i follow and him he, he kills it man like such a good rider like 360s, biggest flip tricks, flares, yeah, egg rolls. Start doing rock solid flips. Yeah, like he's ridiculous, but he's not. Um, he hasn't been picked up by a major sponsor, so he still works. He still works a job, but he'll go to night of the jumps and he's doing all that and trying to make some money in Europe. But it's like he wants to be a contest rider. He doesn't want to be a, a nitro circus rider. He wants to do the contest thing. Um, but you know. The problem is we can't like what well, is X Games is probably the only you got one Red Bull X Fighters event a year and one X Games and X Games isn't a riders contest it's a TV contest that's based off of sponsors and popularity. Um, How dare you say that? <laughs> it's kind of industry fact, but you know it took someone like Jared McNeil like years to be able to medal and do good. At yeah, X but Games. that's and everybody. Like, that's everybody. Like, look how long and listen. Pastrana's the fucking man, but there was a couple of years that Nate should have beat him before Nate actually won in X Games gold. Let's look at Javier. How long has Javier been fucking crushing it and towards the top? And he doesn't get those results. 
I mean, that's how yeah. that's how this sport is, unfortunately. Yeah, it's the reality of it, and and I don't know, you know, unless you have a sponsor paying you for the year, which is you need uh, Rockstar, Red Bull, Monster, like they're the only companies that pay wages really at that level for freestyle athletes. You know, so unless you have that, it's pretty tough. Um, and I don't know where the sport goes from here. For, it's a shame, but I don't know where freestyle goes from here because, you know, I don't think it's going to ever get to the point that people maybe thought it would or should have. I don't know if it will. Yeah, but what, what is that point? Like, where is motocross in the grand scheme of things? Motocross itself, supercross, whatever, is not getting paid like football just because the market is not that big. Like, that's the thing. Everybody goes, for the risk that they're taking, they should be making way more. But that's But let's be serious. That's not that's not how it works. It's how much that industry generates. Yeah, it, it all comes down. That's the thing that in my position now with, with owning a race team and everything, I kind of hate that side of it because it, it all comes down to money. Every single bit of it comes down to how much you have to invest how much you can get from sponsors and and for um for motocross that's true you know and clint i still remember you saying this to me and it stuck with me forever right you said to me about motocross is that someone turns on tv and they watch someone throw a football and they're like yeah i threw a football once like i get it like man that guy could throw a ball sick they're just gonna sit there and watch it because it's passive viewing but you put on a supercross race to someone that's never seen motocross before and they're like what in the world is going on like these guys are jumping all this stuff and is that the leader or what race is this a heat race or what's a last chance qualifier and what the you know what i mean you can't relate to it no you're never going to be able to package that to the average consumer you know you can for maybe one event in their in their city you know you might be able to get them to come watch the supercross but they're never going to be a consumer of the sport to generate revenue from them being a fan and it's just you know, unfortunately, you look at NASCAR or, you know, we have V8 supercars over here. Um, you know, I can, I, I know, for like, you know, the bonnet of the car, the hood of the car is worth 800 to a million bucks in Australia for a V8 supercar sponsor because the logo is the size of the front of the car. Where do you put that on a motocross bike? Well, but one, but two, let's look at the viewership and the, how many people, here's another thing. Okay, so let's just go. First off, it's just like monster trucks. Monster trucks sell out everywhere. Everywhere, dude. A standalone monster truck show can sell out anywhere. Motocross, supercross, freestyle is not... Well, okay, supercross probably. And let's just go freestyle. Freestyle is not doing that anywhere right now. That's why X Games and Nitro Circus is six different events at once. You know, and the people that are buying all the, that are really big, um, uh, like, consumers of motocross gear and, and clothing and this and that actually ride motocross. And the amount of people that actually have ridden motocross or a motocross bike is far less than that have hit a golf ball and a baseball and thrown a football and kicked a soccer ball. Like, people that have done all four of those is still way more than the amount of people that have ridden a motocross bike. Yeah, 110%, and that's the reality of it, isn't it? 
So now the I other, think it's, I think it's changing a little bit though, because we're getting to the point where everybody, maybe not, they've been good, but everyone's ridden a dirt bike pretty much. It seems like, oh, or at least crashed on one. You yeah, live out in the I woods. Mean, that's why you think that. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting uh, not everybody, but it's getting more and more. Where it used to be like one kid in the neighborhood had a dirt bike. Now there's a, there's a couple kids at least that have a dirt bike from like Pet Boys or something, some crappy. Chinese one, you know? Yeah, and I mean, I think that's probably the other side of it where, you know, um, less people are racing nowadays because the recreational side of the sport's becoming more of a thing. So that's good for the industry in one way because, you know, you're going to generate bike sales and gear sales for people to go ride in the bush or the desert or whatever, but at the same time, those guys don't really care about supercross or racing motocross. So... The companies are sort of, we don't need to invest much in racing anymore because people are just going to go ride for fun anyway, you know? Yeah, I think if they spin it, though, then, like, people get, like, they can they can invest themselves in it in a sense that, like, oh, man, I ride, too. They, even if they just watch it just to get all their friends to watch to say, oh, I got that dirt bike. You guys see me ride it. Let's watch this race. You know what I'm saying? Like, you yeah. kind of relate to it. I mean, I think you compare, and this is the thing that people forget all the time, motocross is a motorsport. It's not a stick and ball sport. It's not a team sport. It's a motorsport. And as far as motorsports go, it is the most accessible one by far. As far as cost, you know, oh, yeah. even go-karts or road, you know, road racing. Like, you want to go race those things for a year and you'll see what a real budget looks like. Um, ridiculous. So I feel that... Um, I think education comes into a little bit for the riders as well, that it's like you can, you know, sprint cars or show cars or a road bike. Like those guys, even at a national level, they're not really making a living unless they have a family business or something that can subsidize it. Whereas motocross, like you can actually, as a rider, you can endorse yourself, you can brand yourself, you can get sponsors, you can get money that doesn't necessarily come from race results, but it's a derivative of you going to the races and being seen. But the problem is most moto guys are not educated enough at a young age because we go pro at 16. So how do you tell a 16-year-old to know how to market himself? How do you tell you know, an 18-year-old he's got to do this, he's got to do that? Like, I didn't get that when I was that age. No one does, you know? Yeah. Um, now, you don't yeah. have to be winning to make a living. You just have to be smart about how you brand yourself and what you do. Yeah, ask a lot of these chicks that ride their bikes. <laughs> yeah, moto chicks, right? That's yeah. Thing. Yo, there's so many getting sponsorships, and I'm just like, what exactly do you do other than take pictures with their bike in the backyard? You know, but that that's also another changing industry, isn't it? Social media. You know, back, say, even 10 years ago, man, when, and that's the thing I hate about when I was over there with, with you guys, right? And I don't have hardly any documentation of it because it just, we didn't have camera phones back then. We didn't post every day about what we were doing, you remember? It was yeah. just like, you threw up a MySpace picture here or there. Yeah. Um, you know, now everything's so instant and it's so convoluted and overexposed. Like, how it's tough. It really is tough well, to say what's... And I've even watched with guys. I know some people that barely, you know, I did how many shows a year? And I watched people that would do like six and they just post that shit all the time and they're getting sponsors. And I'm like, seriously? You just post this online. I like do like friggin' 200 performances a six months. 
Yeah, that's the nature of it now, unfortunately. And even in my contracts, all of my contracts are so heavily social media orientated. Like I do social media management for a lot of the companies that sponsor us because that's that was my puppy, by the way. I just wanted to introduce him to everyone. Well, you did. Oh, What's his, his name? name? What's its name? It's Dungy. Uh... <laughs> like, um, yeah, he's he's a cool dude. He's a little he's a little pugglier, but um. Yeah, that's the thing. Like social media now is, you know, for, for the sponsors we get, I have to deliver so much on a social media level, manage accounts, content, create, you know, creative, everything. Um, again, you can't be two-dimensional anymore in the industry if you want to make money. Unless you're unless you're Ken Roxon or Dungy or someone that's just killing it, and then you're going to get money. If you go win everything, you're going to get money. Other than that, you got to be creative. you got to find ways. It's basically like the Adam Jones thing in freestyle. I tell everybody, listen, you can't be that sour and still get work. You're not as good as Adam Jones. So you better, <laughs> so you better, you better just be really cool. And, yeah, and I don't mean, wreck stuff. I be cool like and don't that, wreck stuff. Like be good or be. Sorry, go ahead. No, I said just be uh, cool and don't wreck stuff. Yeah, just. Be good or be good at it. Like you either got to be the best, or you got to find a way to make it work. You know, and personality and and uh, yeah, not wrecking stuff helps. That was, I think, my biggest thing is that I could get drunk but not wreck stuff. So they were. Oh, okay. I don't know about that. So they were okay with me. <laughs> I don't think Clint was. He wasn't fully committed. He was almost there. To what? Great. To wrecking stuff. Oh. Uh, uh. I don't know. There's, there's a few wreck, instances yeah. like I can remember you putting a couch out the window at Durhamtown. That was <laughs> listen. That night I was trying to win the championship drinking belt. Oh, you won it, all right. I won it, even though I broke the rules and threw up before noon the next day. <laughs> yeah, but there was a lot of people that broke that rule and just didn't, you know, publicize it. Like you were. Fiery the dragon that night. Shirt was off. <laughs> Hairy chest was out. He was just mashing the around. Last, just... Listen, the last thing I literally remember that night is sitting on the edge of the hot tub with my nuts hanging out of my shorts. Showing, <laughs> showing people how to get to my house on the veins. <laughs> That's literally the last thing I remember before it all went gray. <laughs> oh, I probably haven't thought about that for nearly 10 years but I remember it very clearly now you said that <laughs> yeah that was that night that was wild yeah, we were drinking all the moonshine. on the side of his truck with his dynamite and then blamed it on everyone yeah well remember he goes hey if that uh, K10 blazer was there it was nice it was like this nice old blazer that somebody like the guy was his business partner, ran off with his ex old lady or whatever. So then he's like, if you can get that fucking truck running, you can destroy it. You can do whatever you want to it. And I was like, done. So we went over <laughs> and we pulled the truck back and then we got it running and we're like, okay, we're going to, it kind of ran. We jumped it a little bit and then we're like, all right, we're going to charge the battery and then we're going to go and drive it around. And then all of a sudden he realized I was serious about it and we were getting it running. And then he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I had already smashed all the doors in with my shoulders. 
<laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that that night was—I'll uh, never forget that. And then we were drinking just uh, moonshine and peppermint moonshine, sitting in the yeah, hot tub. Yeah, I can't believe it went like that. Yeah, so, yeah it was—it uh, was an interesting night. Think, Let's leave it at that. I don't think it was a couch. I think it was Crystal's mattress. I ripped the mattress out from under and then fired it out into the rain. Whatever it was, I just remember being outside and seeing the blinds and stuff come out of the Oh, window. that was the... Uh, that, and Clint's just there, like, just keep on with his big chest, just like, rah, just uh, like shaking the window. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, that was different because that wasn't her cabin. That was the cabin we were staying in. I smashed the uh, blinds in it. With... <laughs> With the championship drinking belt, I believe. I was swinging it around. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Good times, man. Good times. Let me pee and get another beer. I'm going to have to wrap this up pretty (sighs) soon. Fine. Because i got to go do stuff. i got to do stuff. It's It's the middle of the day. What do you have to do? Just You can't just send the internet and talk all day? E-drink with us? What's that? You can't e-drink with us? Screw it. I'm getting another beer. This is our new hashtag, e-drink. Because we figured it out. That's all we do is we just talk to each other and drink via the internet. You know, we could do a real... Dude, you should do a reunion show. How many people can you get on this thing? You would never... It would just be the Jason Rose show. Just talk over <laughs> yeah, but I'm cool with that. Like, we wouldn't even need to meet in person that way. We don't need to do a reunion. It would just be we could get together and do a live show. And my God, well, I've the talked to that, that. I've already talked so to everyone. Tape their phone to their chest and then <laughs> just go to the bar and just <laughs> yeah, just sit there at your local bar. I talked to uh, Connors. You and Connors both talked to me about being on the show, and then both of you every week were like. I'm like, hey, can you do it? No, I can't do it. So then I called Connors. And I was like, hey, Connors, can you do it? And he's like, well, I'm going to the circus this weekend. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And then I talked to you, and you can't do it because something. And I talked to Connors, and he's like, well, I'm going to be here. And I'm like, you motherfuckers, both of you. Oh, right, no, 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 no. Like when I hit you up, I'm like, what? You know, this is my normal Wednesday routine. And then it just didn't happen for a while. So, Well, we worked it out. We made it happen, but I still think you're onto something with a reunion show from everyone. Because, I mean, dude, I was only around for a year or so. Like, you would have endless amounts of people to be on this thing. Did he disappear? He's gone. Must be getting tequila. Clint's <laughs> out. He just smoke bombed us. He's gone. <laughs> it's tequila time. Are you watching no. this still on YouTube or no? No, no, I stopped. I can't. It's killing my connection. So I'm just been staring at you, and then like a blank uh, stare from yeah, from Wilfred just staring at me. Excuse me. How are you yawning? Um, I don't know. I don't sit still too uh, too well. Makes me tired. It is a long time to sit and just jab. Just BS. I have the hardest time watching motocross because I watch it, and then like every five minutes, I catch myself. Just drifting off. I'm on my phone or I'm doing something. Yeah, I mean, that's what 
you know, when we were doing the live, I was doing this, the TV show, and it's like you got 30-minute moto and someone's just out front, and there's, man, it's tough. Yeah, what do you talk about? <laughs> oh, just, you try to keep it fresh, but it's not easy. I'm back. Oh, I forgot you guys couldn't see me just run away. Yeah, but no, I had like a really life-altering question uh, for you. And <laughs> I heard it, but I was all the way in the bathroom and I couldn't respond. But I forgot what it was now, so. Um, no, I just said you'd have an endless amount of people to put on a reunion show. It would be pretty rad. Well, I'm just going to go through them one at a time, so that way. I talked to Gary about uh, being on the show as well. Yeah. So, and I'm trying to get some bigger name people I know. Not like Gary yeah, Robertson. Party. Not a big name. Yeah, I texted son of a bitch and you never wrote me back you know what brody's like you I'm gotta gonna keep go on up a little to bit. massachusetts and whoop his ass <laughs> go <up to> Boston. <laughs> but i don't know if you got brody drunk a little bit it'd be fun yeah yeah exactly maybe that's what he's afraid of he's afraid of bart coming out <laughs> online <laughs> but that yeah that'd be a lot of a lot of rad people you could get on this show. You should do like 50 shows on the 50th, get everyone on it, just like a, a big old free-for-all. It's going to not work, Joe. Come on. We talk over, there's three of us, we talk over each other. <laughs> <laughs> that, it would be organic. They'd find a balance. You really think 50 What'd drinking... What'd you say, what? What? You think 50 you drinking say, people would, you, would find a balance? <laughs> Probably not. Oh, Kavanaugh's, Kavanaugh's getting married in uh, September. Yeah. You're not flying over for that? What's that? I say Kavanaugh's getting married in September. Where's he? He's in like Wisconsin, Wisconsin or something. Yeah. Shit, I'll crash it. That's like a couple hours. Did you not get an invite? Must have got lost in the Do mail. you know Cody? But do you not I have a tough address to get. Do you not know Cody? No, I've never met him. Oh, well then. <laughs> I didn't get an invite, but I mean, shit. I've been around for 10 years, so I that's fair enough. He should have just sent you an invite just to make you feel included, even though he knew you weren't going to come. Yeah, I mean, it's all good. I mean, honestly, other than yourself, and me and you probably talk like once a year or something. Like, I talk to Brody. Um, I talk to Sean every once in a while, um, like Austin occasionally, Ray occasionally. Like it's it's tough when you you know trying to keep in touch with everyone. Oh, I know. The only reason I talk to Nick is because we eat drink. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, honestly, you should copyright eat drink. Copyright it. Beat it. Is that a thing? There's not very many e-drink uh, hashtags. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, you can go on. You can do webcam stuff for anything. Stuff you probably shouldn't even discuss. But you can just start a website, right? I'm onto something here. You can start a website where if you're lonely, you can just find an e-drink buddy. Like, to oh, yeah. shit. This is a great yeah. idea. That's genius. Like, don't, chat roulette, but e you know you're going to drink. Without, without the naked dudes, yeah. <laughs> you know what the problem is there. It's not going to be drunk naked dudes. 
no, it's just it's it's known that you're just going for a drink via the internet. That's all it is. No, yeah, but just... those guys who get naked on the internet, it's always them. Like they're like, oh, cool. Dude, I can't make it on another platform now. No. <laughs> Dude, what if we just had a e e drink chat room? And That's then, what I'm saying. Yeah, like, you just yeah, you, know, you just go on there and you have your little profile and it's like searching for someone to have drinks with and talk about moto and then bing, you got a match and you can talk to them i like this yes yeah, in so a non-romantic just... weird way yeah we can call it the bathhouse <laughs> <laughs> all right that just went from a good idea to really creepy well no just the room in in the um it's going to be, e-drink is going to be the site, but then we would probably just <laughs> drink just in the bathroom. You know? Just stop. Just stop it. It's not, no, you're too old. It's not a site. It's just an app. You just we're swipe the, until you get to the right bathhouse. We're in the bathhouse right now, Joe. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Take your clothes off. Uh, enjoy. <laughs> all right, stop it. Uh, <laughs> oh, but no, nah, I mean, that could be a thing. I'm telling you, man, if you don't jump on it, someone will. E-drink is the next. That's how next I ended thing. up with Emotocons. Yeah. yeah. I feel like e-drinking would be a bit more popular, though. Hopefully it's less expensive to make. <laughs> I mean, I bought your app. <laughs> I appreciate that. The thing that killed it was you couldn't use it on Instagram. You can't use any external app, uh, any external emojis on any of those social media sites. Otherwise, you would see Kimojis everywhere. I know. And that's that's why uh, the whole world is social media bound now. So it would be tough to do a licensing thing with Instagram. You want me to get even crazier? All of your phones read... Um, those emojis as like basically your phone just sends it as a code so it's like hashtag uh semicolon three whatever and then your phone my phone when i punch a face in my phone sends that code to your phone your phone knows what it is everybody's agreed on these uh on that these are smiley faces or whatever yeah exactly from phone yeah. to phone. So they may have different representations of a smiley face, but you're still getting a smiley face. So everybody would have to agree on all these things, which would mean it would be in their regular operating service and nobody would have external apps making emojis. So you got to be Zuckerberg yeah. or right. Bill Gates. Or, yeah, exactly. I got to be Apple. <clears throat> so, I mean, sorry, so. So do it, man. I mean, I'm hearing a little negative here. Make it happen. Uh, listen, I've already started. Oh a, shit! You've been called out, Clint. Uh, I worked on a uh, advertising partnership with a magazine, which should go into effect in the near future. It's so, dude. Anything digital is so tough. Like even drawing traffic for this show, right? Like, because everything's so instant now. Like trying to draw any attention from anything, because people just scroll and don't even really attention or what they're looking at you know Robbie Madison got um, a bunch of people Joe no pressure or anything but what's that <laughs> I said Robbie Matt Robbie uh, Marshall got a bunch of people yeah that's cool man <laughs> he's looking at him to get on and, and 
in his def- in my defense, it's eleven or well, twelve thirty in lunchtime here now, but it's not really prime viewership time. All right, we'll give you that one, Joe. They're on their lunch break. I don't know. We'll give you that one. Um, but you know, as far as your app goes, like man, it would be hard to get traction to get people to actually pay attention to it. You know. Well, apparently, two dollars is too much to spend. People don't want to pay for shit, man. You know what it's like. Oh, no know. one's on iPhone anymore. Just YouTube. Yeah. You can't get on uh, Android. Yeah, because enough iPhone dickheads didn't buy it yet in order for me to justify just spending saying, more just money. Just saying. Do they actually make phones that aren't iPhones? Yeah, all the kids have them. Yeah, they're called walkie-talkies. <laughs> <laughs> You smug uh-huh. iPhone users. That's why Clint <laughs> hasn't sold any emojis. <laughs> Nick's on his on his walkie-talkie right now. <laughs> I just never get it. It's like every time someone doesn't have an iPhone, I'll be like, "Hey, let's do that," and they're like, "Oh, I can't do that." And I'm like, "Well, why do you not have an iPhone?" Illiterate. I, don't know. I never I never hear someone say something about uh, Android phone, and it's like, "Yeah, this is awesome." I was like, "Oh, I can't do that." Dude, my dad has the iPhone, so, and I have to translate it for him every day. And constantly I show him things, and he's like, what? where's that at? I'm like, you don't have it, dude. You got an iPhone. It's for fucking seniors. You can't, you can't do it. <laughs> wow, well, his iPhone, they've been out that long now. They're seniors. He's it's like, awesome. I can draw things and text them to you. It's cool. Watch this. <laughs> oh, man. You don't oh, I've got to wrap this thing up here. All right. We're getting shut down, Clint. Getting shut down by no, I mean, the non-drinker. He literally has a day job. By the non-drinker. Yeah, you guys can keep e-drinking. I just have to go uh, get some shit done. I don't even like to drink with Clint. He gets violent. <laughs> That's why Nick will only e-drink with me. <laughs> yeah, in person. Yeah, he wrong. I've, I've been there. It's well, a good time, though. When Joe uh, drank with me, we used to drink Jim Beam by the half a bottle a night. That was me by myself, half bottle Jim Beam. Yeah, I w- <laughs> yeah, you had all them Jim Beam bottles above the fridge cabinets. Do you remember? Above the cabinets in the uh, in the kitchen, they were lined all the way around. I feel like now Joe's regretting telling all his like writers to watch this podcast. <laughs> oh. They, they all know I had I had fun back in the day. <laughs> I mean, I got no problem with riders having fun, dude. Like off season, do your thing, you human, have fun. Yeah, he was a freestyler at the time. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it doesn't even count. Like anything goes. <laughs> but I still get that. It's like you were in freestyle. It's like yeah, for a little bit there. Yeah, you're making money. Was Wasn't that, very good, but was that fun. a crazy time in your life? Yeah, it's just, you look back at it with fond memories. It wasn't like you were wearing, like, LBZs or something. No, I mean, I had a pair of cut-off shorts, though. I remember that. I missed the LBZ trend. He come right after it. I had LBZs. James Stewart's back. James Stewart's on the pod. Oh, no, it's just Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Yeah, freestyle. <laughs> <laughs> I lost my train of thought, but 
we had cut down fenders. I remember I got into it. I was still at the cut down fender phase. Sick. Nick still cuts I mean, like, his fenders. He rides moto every like once a year, and he, and he cut his fenders. Just because I, I missed the I missed the trend. <laughs> he bring it back. I remember I'd never seen a seventy five foot backflip in person because no one was doing them in the UK at the time. And Clint's like, "Hey, um, hey, uh, <laughs> train me over the ramp so you know the gap." And I'm like, "Yeah, sweet," because we <laughs> we run different ramps in Europe. We used to run like sixty five foot like mini super kickers, right? So I hadn't hit seventy five foot too often. So I'm like two or three runs in. I'm like, "All right, I got the speed." I'm like, I nod my head. I'm like, "Yeah, I'm gonna hit it this time." And we do this little jump into this rhythm for the ramp at his old place. And he just goes, duh, 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 and just sends this flip. And I'm fucking behind him going, dan, dan, <laughs> what is going on? Actually, um, he jumped it. Tw- he, we, uh, I hit it once. I hit it twice. And I come around and I go, dude, you got it. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, no, he's like, yeah, yeah, I got it. You can see it. I was like, I just knew he was going to go for it. So I just fucking. I was like this big. Yeah. Like, you know, like when you see somebody that flips and you don't flip, how I was, it's like right next to it. Like when I first started riding, it just yeah. blow my mind. He was like 20 feet behind me. He was like 20 feet behind me. I had no idea. And his first time off of the ramp, I pull and. He, I can just hear him going <laughs> in the air the whole time. Yeah, I'm just up there going back brake throttle, back brake throttle, just trying to keep it in check. And I'm just looking at your sump bolt coming around. I'm like, wow, oh, that was yeah. It's funny the stuff you remember and forget. That was that was funny, man. No, I've told that story before, like not too long ago. I was like, yeah, I was fucking with this guy. I was first hit on the ramp. <laughs> so that, <laughs> Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun, man. I missed I miss riding at that place. That was so much fun. Like before we did shows, like before any of that, like when I just came and stayed with you and we rode every day, that was like the funnest part. Yeah, that's what it's about. And it ends up yeah. being like you ride the shows and stuff and ride the sketchy setups so that you can ride all week. Yeah, and then you don't even want to ride during the week because you're riding different stuff every weekend and it's just not fun anymore. That's where I got to it. Like when I was at yours and when I was living at Brody's and was riding every day, like you had the confidence to go ride a show and just hit anything because you were so dialed. But then when you go on the road and you ride shitty setups every show and you don't get to ride at all, um, yeah, I lost the I lost the passion for it doing that. Well, I tell people that that shit makes you worse. It's like, See, and here's the thing of it. It's like you can get sucked into the show trap and then you make uh, quote-unquote good money. But that's only, it's only like you almost, it's, it's like a really good paying regular job because you have to do it in, you know, often enough to really make a good living at it. Versus, it's a living a fan to make money at it right versus the dudes that stay home a lot more and get really really badass and take a lot of risks and then come out and do big events which i think that even i regret getting sucked into the steady money trap versus really trying to become you know do some stuff that people weren't doing at the time to try and become a bigger name yeah but 
it's all well and good saying that, but you have to earn money. That's what you tend to forget when you think about it, you know, like at yeah. the end of the day, you know, someone throwing money at you, you got to go make money. Yeah. I think <laughs> I was so young that I could have hung out with not very much money for a little bit longer. <laughs> or, or I should have gone to California. Those are my two, yeah. like, what ifs. And I've had, I've had this discussion with somebody and I also had him say, you know, that's all good and you can always go, I should have done this or I should have, should have done that. But maybe you'd have gone out there and uh, knocked some chick up or, uh, you know, gotten into drugs we don't even know about. My, my opinion on, on anyone's career is this. Like, I feel like, uh, you know, that saying, like, I had it not as good as some, but better than most. You yeah. know what I mean? And that still holds true now for me today is like you can always look at what the guys at the top have and go, man, you know, I never had that. That sucks. But then the lifestyle that we've gotten to live over the last, well, for you, like the last 40 years. But for me, it's been a bit shorter. But, um, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like you can, everyone's got their own journey. And I feel like, you know, I was never a, a factory racer and I was never at X Games but far out man I lived a pretty cool I lived a pretty cool life and I think you could say you know every one of us you can say the same thing it's not it's not the normal life that you live it's pretty cool yeah for sure I, I mean it's I, a dead on at I least think, for me it does I think that being a competitive person and I agree with what you're saying Joe and I it's hard sometimes to look at it and see that when you're a competitive person because you only look at the you know people go you are really you're really good blah 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 but i'm always looking at that one percent or two percent that's better you know what i mean and wanting to do that because i'm competitive but i agree with you and that's probably one of the things in life is looking at it and going you know what i did do a lot of shit that a lot of people didn't do and i had an excellent time I don't regret anything for sure. I think you always, yeah. unless you're Ricky Carmichael, and I bet there's some championships where Carmichael's like, I should have won them. Yeah, it's, it's totally human nature. And I think the biggest thing is I've learned over the years that, you know, when I got into the, the coaching and the business side of the sport, now with the race team, like, I get still very competitive. I'm like, man, I want to be like those guys. Why they, you know, I want to be there now. But it's like, you got to be somewhat content not content content's the wrong word you just need to be uh what's the word i'm looking for you got to be i don't know what i'm trying to say but if you spend your whole life comparing yourself to others it's a pretty horrible existence like you got to be happy with your achievements you're always gonna be disappointed yeah and you see that with athletes so often like they retire or they step away from any sport and once they lose that thing about themselves that defines them they're not happy as people you know well, uh, so let's the one talk. thing I saw watching your your thing on YouTube was talking about you're like, well, I noticed like it wasn't happening. Time to move on. Like you did that like several times, and it yeah. was like that's just that's I don't know, not for everybody, but like that's how I feel. It's like okay, got to beat it because it's not working. Next thing. Yeah, you just got to be, um, you know, and that's where you know I I don't know everyone's on their own journey. But for me, is like when when is the right time to walk away? Like you know, even like. I made a mistake last year. I was like, I had some team bikes left over. I had some time. I'm like, I'm going to go race Supercross this year. Why not? And I was 28 years old, 
probably had no part trying to make a comeback to do it and got injured and and everything. But, you know, I look back now and go, fucking idiot, why'd you do that? But at the time, you get caught up in the competitive, like, oh, man, I can still do that. Yeah, you know, and um, I don't know. You just got to know when the right time for you is to walk away because otherwise you just get stuck with a sinking ship, I feel. My uh, girlfriend and I recently have been talking a ton about ego and how it forces you to stay into some things sometimes, like trying to race Supercross or riding freestyle for too long, you know what I mean? And it comes down to not wanting to not wanting to not be a freestyle motocross rider, not wanting to not be a racer and just be a coach or just be whatever the fuck I'm going to end up being, you know what I mean? It's like because you still want to be competitive and be out there and do it. It's hard to pull the, you know, pull the plug on some shit you put a lot of time into or you're passionate about. It is. It just it comes with experience, I guess. Is that knowing when's the right time to move on, or it's the same with anything in life, right? But it's like I know I'm. Like, I feel I'd struggle without being involved in the sport. I would struggle to be able to walk away and just do a regular job because I've done my own hustle for so long that how do you just go from that to... But I also feel like if I was to go start a business in the mainstream world and just do that, I could do that, no problem, because it would be something I'm passionate about, you know what I mean? Well, as long as you found something that you were passionate about. That's what I'm saying. Like, I couldn't just... You can't just walk away from doing what you've been doing your whole life. And yeah. then just go to something you're not passionate about because it just it's not not the way to do it. That's why I got a podcast. <laughs> exactly. It's that whole it's that whole mental thing though. It's like if it because it, it can like I never even got to any high level, but it can be depressing because you spend your whole time growing up thinking I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, and then all of a sudden you you almost get there, and then it doesn't quite take off, and it's like you know it can be hard mentally to wrap your head around it, and I think a lot of like top riders who who get to a level, same type of thing, you know? Or when they retire early or they get hurt too much. I think it's a tough one to wrap your head around. Well, yeah, it's, and I feel like the sport, that's the problem with our sport because there's no real, you know, like say football or whatever in America, you do college, you do high school, college, and, and NFL, and they condition you for sort of life after football. You know what I mean? Um, do they really, though? Where, how many of those guys are friggin' broke after making millions and millions of dollars? Yeah, you're probably correct. But yeah, but there's so many more of them. Maybe it's just sport in general, but it's like you, you have to, as an athlete, think it's going to last forever, and then you, your identity is that athlete yeah. because that's the only way you become successful. And then when it ends, you really have to figure out who you are as a person, which not – you know, some people never figure that shit out, you know, and they're never happy. Well, here's... I get what, so this, this I get is, what Joe's saying, though, because, like, with motocross, no one's coaching you, really, at all. You're just, like, it's just, you see it, and you want to do it, and then maybe you get somewhere, and maybe somebody picks you up, or football or something, somebody picks you up pretty much in high school, if you're decent. But here's my thing. Let's talk about, and this is kind of a downer, but the whole mirror thing. So I heard everybody trying to blame it on the CTE, which for sure, that's what I say. I don't buy it either because obviously I would have CTE, Hartman's got CTE, I can name you friggin' everybody I know would have to have that. And I heard, and I don't remember who it was, but it was somebody that actually knew him, 
and they were t it was a, an uh, <clears throat> extreme sports sports athlete as well. And when they were talking to him, he's like, "I just know that I have to keep goals and I have to work towards stuff, and you know, yada yada." And I'm like, "Well, isn't that everyone? Like, isn't that the whole thing? Like, think about we're talking about going from riding a couple of shows a year and not really being anybody." and quitting and having to figure out what your identity is versus a dude that was the fucking man for a decade and called Wonder Boy. And now yeah. all of a sudden, five years later, these young kids are doing every single trick that he ever did because that's how fast the sport progresses. And none of them even know who the fuck he is. Like, how about that for fucking hard? Like, your entire life's work is taken away. And now what do you do? That's, it. Yeah, that's, you know, I, I think that that CTE, the concussions and everything certainly would help to cloud judgment and put perspective on things. But when you're that, like, let's be honest, man, to get to the level of a mirror, you have to be completely consumed by what you do. You know what I mean? Like you, you have to be obsessed to be able to get hurt that much and to take those risks. Like, I'm quite happy to say, like, say with freestyle, I was like, I never flipped. I went to a couple of pits. I was like, the risk reward money wise, I was like, I don't really, I'm not into it that much to do that. You know what I mean? Um, but for those guys to lay it on the line the way they do, it's like more power to you. You have to be completely consumed by what you do to get to that level. And then for that to, like you say, it's, it's taken away. And then you got to figure out who you are away from all the glitz and the glamour. I mean, there's a reason why there's a lot of celebrity deaths and overdoses and rock and roll, you know. Musicians, fuck, it's all the same. It's all the same shit. You have to go from living a life that is not normal, not reality, by any stretch of the imagination. You are completely disconnected from the normal world, and then you're thrown back into it quite abruptly. I had a conversation with McGrath once, and it was super short. And um, I was just like, we were going back and forth, and I was like, dude, you're the fucking man. And he goes. It's nice meeting somebody like you that says that, or something along those lines. And that blew me away. And I'm like, yeah. why Who does Jeremy... say that to you? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Would everyone say that to Jeremy uh, McGrath? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, the fuck, Jeremy McGrath, give a fuck. I think that he's fucking rad as hell. You know what I mean? But it makes you realize, like, it's not, especially in our type of sports, that stuff goes away quick. If you're not in the sport for five, ten years, there's how many guys come through the pipeline and the fan base is so young that that whole thing dries up so quick that it's like, you know, there, there's nobody. I feel like I know everybody that ever thought I was anything from seeing my videos on the Internet. Like I literally am on a first name basis with them, I feel like. Yeah. And they're all older. They're all like at least mid-20s. We're on his, they're on his podcast. Yeah, yeah, they've all <laughs> yeah. been on my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, those those videos are what got me to your door, man. Those mixtapes. I know, but that's my point. Is that, and I've had people say that. I've had some guys be like, "That's why I started," and I used to come home from school and watch them. But it's like that's already faded. That's ten years ago, and that's like non-existent. You know what I mean? It's what are you doing now? Now it's, oh, it's now it's yeah. even faster. Look at Roxon. Look how many people have written him off now. Well, they do yeah, that. because of the evolution of, of how you consume media. It's gone from you know 
waiting for a DVD or a, uh, a VHS, mm-hmm. and then it was like YouTube, uh, then, you know, now it's social media. Now it's like, just so... Now it's like Clint didn't do a live feed today on his Instagram. He must be... He's, he's falling he's off. Dead. <laughs> I do it. Well, you know, like, and even with, you know, with marketing, like, I, I do a lot of that stuff, and it's like, back in the day, I was like, social media posts, they got you uh, engagements, they got you sales, whatever it is you're trying to achieve. Nowadays, posting on a daily basis doesn't get you sales. It just gets you a relationship with your customer base. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, that—that that is a minimum now to have a daily post just to stay relevant in your consumers' minds that you do what you do, whether it's a service or a product. And then you have to go above and beyond daily posting and find a unique way to engage with them just to be able to get some clicks, you know? Yeah. Um, exactly. It's crazy to think about. It is, and it's like, you know, that's where companies are at now, trying to, you know, and, and even for you, Clint, trying to sell your app or trying to do this show, or for me, trying to promote my coaching or, or promote our sponsors. It's like, man, um, you know, a, a few thousand views on YouTube back in the day was you were killing it, and now it don't mean anything. It's like Tinder. Why, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're tindering all these fans. We need them. They're swiping through, and we need them to be like, I like this one. I'm going to keep on it and buy some of their shit. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, those mixtapes you did at the time were, I think, not, they were original. Because, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. like, before that, the MD media you saw from Freestyle was everyone throwing down in California. And then. When I seen that stuff, I'm like, shit, these are like normal guys that are doing this stuff. They put a whole new spin on it. That's funny because that's exactly what Sloan, actually shout out to Sloan. That's why I'm drinking the Lone Star. Uh, He said the same thing was why he liked us because everybody was, you know, here's my thing. I hate everybody trying to be hardcore. Listen, we're all not fucking hard. When I have to be, maybe, whatever, I'll deal with it. But it's like... When I drink moonshine. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> but it's like all day long, we're not all fucking hardcore. You know? So let's just laugh about stuff and have a good time. And that that was our whole thing, was we just like to have fun. Yeah, and that shone through. And that whole era was... I mean, I, I bet you everyone that came through your house and everyone that stayed and rode on that scene, you know, I was just a tourist passing through, but even the time I had there, um, everyone would say positive things about it as far as it was a great time in their life, you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. That was a good time in my life as well. That At the time when the house was jamming and there was just 12 people sleeping on the floor and on the couches and everything because they're at the yeah, whole house. Yeah. Yeah, that was an amazing time, I agree. That was probably some of the most fun times of my life, for sure. Yeah, and it's like it's not a bad thing that that's ended. It's just natural when life moves on. I don't think I could still be doing that shit. I don't think yeah. you could either, you know? No, 12 years later, have 15 people in the house all the time? No, it would probably be. No. And that's yeah, it's all good stuff, man. So I think we could probably, probably end it there, right? <laughs> Listen, you don't tell us what to do. Do you see this? Well, it's a bit positive now. <laughs> yeah. I got some food now and I got you some bathroom super bag. I'm I'm down to come on again. Um All right. and do something. You know, we could 
make it a little bit more of a, I don't know, I'll think about how we, I can contribute to this thing. Well, get in line, Joe. We got people lined up for your two years out right now. I'm saying book book me in, man. Like, <laughs> what are we at, show nine or ten? Uh, you're 11. All right, so yeah, put me on like show uh, like in the 80s or 90s when you guys have gone man. through everything and we'll figure something out. All right. Sounds but no, good. I appreciate it, man. It was um, it was good to meet, good to meet you, Nick, and always fun to hang you out. Me too. I need drinks. Well, with man. Um, I will good send you the link once it posts. I'll um, make it live right now, and then um, I'll send you a le- link, and then we can share all that. And then um, it actually got picked up by um, TuneIn, the podcast, and hopefully uh, iTunes and all the other necessary places soon. So. That'd be rad. Cheers. All right, boys. Well, uh, thanks again. And, um, yeah, catch up soon. All right. Later. Everybody. Adios.